I'm starting to realize I eat a lot of delivery Chinese food before I do this show. It's what you, what you guys in software refer to as an anti-powder. You need that uh, qualifier there or what? Which part? Before this show. Uh, well, I figured it out. I think I unraveled why that is. And it's because this Tuesday is a day when we record this show. Tuesday is sometimes a day when my wife bikes to work. It's generally a day that involves me ordering food for delivery. So, then to continue, Mycroft, when I order food, I'm frequently doing it because uh, we're getting something my daughter likes, and she really likes this really junky Chinese food. So we get that sometimes. Oh, it's like blaming farts on the dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, my daughter really likes this. <laughs> Junky Chinese food. It's not, it's not. It's not my desire to eat no. literally one pound of lo mein. It's really my daughter. <laughs> I eat very reasonably. I get wonton soup, mm-hmm. and then I get uh, a dozen uh, deep fried salt and pepper chicken wings. So it's a nice balance. <laughs> yeah, of salt and salt. I, see, I like the I like the connection to your wife biking to work. It's like you're offsetting her exercise. It's like carbon offsets. <laughs> but it's all well. What it is is that you know we're not, I'm not sure when she's going to be home, and you know you got to have bath and homework and stuff. You know, so uh, I handle dinner most nights, and this is just one of those nights when I phone it in. Literally, yeah. Usually try to schedule leftovers for those things where you make a big meal and you make way too much of it and then the next day when you know you're going to be rushed you just have the leftovers i'm not big on leftovers season three coming soon Mm. oh yeah april right something like that i've been uh observing the blackout see here's my i got a feeling i got a feeling on leftovers john i like the idea of leftovers we're still talking about the food now right not the show we're no spoilers nope no total total it's this is going to be a full todd media blackout on leftovers um yeah, you know what? No one cares. I just I have this. No, I care about I care about leftovers. Well, when we're talking about the food. Okay, now there's some kinds of leftovers that are, that make a good leftover. Like you, you take a lasagna. Like lasagna mm-hmm. to me is better the next day. Like I mm-hmm. I like a lasagna leftover. There's certain kinds of like if it's a uh, certain kinds of just meat by itself. Like cold chicken can be nice. You can heat that up. That could be good. But like even leftover steak, mm, not a giant fan. My beef, so to speak. Partly is that, like, I feel like out of some middle-class white guilt, we end up saving food that no one has any intention of ever eating. (laughs) You you need to have one, uh, I don't know, I guess you'd call them the goat, the garbage disposal, one person in the house who is willing to take on leftovers that other people won't take. If you you have a house full of dilettantes, then yeah, you're going to be like, oh, we should save this because it looks like valuable food, and then it sits in there, and everyone in the house is collectively like, staring at it for three days until it eventually gets chucked and uh can i wager a guess that that's you no like i'm there's a mix i'll eat more things left over than other people but some things i won't eat left over that other people will you need to have you know it takes a village to, to handle leftovers no that's true it's just you know i i don't like to be this particular guy but sometimes i'll sit there and and you know my wife whom i love She's she neither of us likes throwing food away. I try to cook the right amount of food. I don't like throwing pasta away. I feel bad throwing food away. But like there'll be one piece like a chicken wing. Like nobody wants the chicken wing. And she'll put it in a in a plastic bag and then put it in the refrigerator. And I I don't want to say anything because I want to be married and happy. But I'll just be like, you know, that was just like that. That's really just a way of making extra garbage. Now now we have. You just demolish a dozen chicken wings today. What's wrong with the one that's in the kitchen? Well, let's, fridge, now rather. that's a different animal. Now, if we make a roast chicken, you make the Thomas Keller chicken recipe, nobody wants those wings. It's all about the breasts and the thighs in our house. 
Um, and you know, if I could get uh, deep fried uh, salt and pepper uh, chicken that wasn't just wings, I would do it. But you're right; that is kind of hypocritical of me. I just I feel bad because then it's like we're just making extra garbage. Because now we got garbage plus a bag. Let's zoom in on this though. What is the what is offensive about the chicken wing? Is it you wouldn't you wouldn't need it like the day it was made? You're saying like when you make that roast chicken, you don't even want it like when it's fresh, and that's why it's never going to go anywhere as leftover because it's not not the fact that it's a leftover, but just that it's an undesirable part of the chicken. Yes, yes to everything. Uh, let me I'll zoom out just a little bit here. I think far and away, this is very bold, very brave. I think far and away, the wing is easily the most overrated part of the chicken. And you I just think, had twelve of them. Yeah, but see, you're not you're you're not. Uh, no, no, no. This is this is about trust. It's not about the law. The the thing is, uh, I'll, <laughs> this chicken podcast needs to hold up for hundreds of years. When the aliens from AI dig this up, they're going to be like, "What was he talking about?" John I didn't Roderick's, get that reference, and they'll John spend Roderick's, centuries trying to research it. John Roderick's grandchildren will theoretically listen to these things. Yeah, exactly. I think the the wing is far and away the most overrated. I think the thigh is heavily, heavily underrated. And I think they actually contrast nicely for what I look for in a chicken. Now, a breast can be a nice piece. It doesn't have a whole lot of flavor to it. But if it's cooked well, you know, the breast is kind of the, you know, that's the baller chicken. <laughs> um, but I do feel like the wing is a lot of work for what you get. Now, the thigh has some work to it, but I feel like it's a knowable piece of chicken. Like, it's a piece of chicken that I can understand. I know how Single to deal bone. with Single bone. Single bone. That's what it's all about. Oh, yeah. And like, I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm the only one in the family that likes eating uh, food off the bone. Yeah, I don't know what happened to my... Does your daughter eat chicken off the bone? Will she no. do that? She, uh, she it would not even be in consideration. My, my kids won't either. And I don't understand that because when I was a kid, oh it was like... Drumsticks? It's like corn on the cob. Like, you liked having food that, you know, that you could pick up in your hands and eat food off of other things. Like, exactly like corn it's on the, the cob. Best. It's the best. Who, who didn't want to eat a piece of chicken and get to like... Ugh. But my kids are just like, no, you have, we have to cut it off the bone for them. And I, I always joke that, like, they had to dig through the garbage in the, in the aftertimes... And you know, they'd be like, oh, I found chicken, but I couldn't eat it because it was on the bone and there was no one there to cut it off for me. <laughs> Dad. Like, it's like you, only, you only need to be, how many weeks do you need to be go without food before you'll eat a chicken leg off of the bone? Because I promise you it's fine. Yeah, it depends on how old the kid is. I mean, I, there have been certain points in, 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 in my kid's life where I thought she, she would rather starve than, than make, give me the pleasure of seeing her live. I, I, I could see that happening. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I, it's, it is strange. And this is, you know what? I don't want to get into Marco's already calling us out for being old men. But, you know, I, I do feel like, you know, for me, there was like stuff that I consider like <laughs> such a treat when I was a kid is just like, now. I'm like, like you know, cigarettes, what? My gosh, you are crazy with this like cream corn or, uh, oh, or you get like, uh, you get like a, like a chicken and dumplings or something. You get some kind of like macaroni and cheese, homemade macaroni and cheese. Like that's such an, like an exciting event food night when I was a kid. Well, she's not growing up in Cincinnati, so. Yeah. <laughs> My wife went to the, the infamous Whole Foods hot bar last night. Oh, man. Oh, man. And it wasn't even really all that good. But no, it's not. It's really not. And the, that chicken, that chicken, oh, it's a spectacle. And you know what? I'm going to tell you one more thing about chicken as long as we're on the topic. I think the Costco chicken, which used to be the gold standard in poultry, I don't think that chicken is what it used to be. Even a super, I'm going to say it, even a super fresh Costco rotisserie chicken ain't the chicken that it used to be. It's not, it's not as moist. It's not as interesting. 
it tastes more and more like that nonsense you get at Safeway that's just got a bunch of you know, spices on it. Bleah. I'll take your word for it because I have never been one to partake of the store-bought rotisserie chicken. My wife will, and sometimes she'll bring it home, and every time she does, I say, mm-hmm. why did you do this? Now, why do, why do you feel that way? It just doesn't appeal to you? I don't think it, it's a it's the type of thing that holds up. I don't think it keeps. I don't think it is, mm-hmm. you know... You know, it's hot and it's in the store and it's usually enclosed in something like it kills like the roast chicken. The whole roasting thing is a dry heat on the outside. But then you, if you put it in any kind of container, it traps in the steam and then makes all outside all soggy. And right. it has this terrible odor and it's just it's not good. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I even feel like I don't think this is my palate. I think something's changed. Like uh, my lady and me used to get we'd get a Safeway chicken like that six dollar Safeway chicken. We would get that. Once a week, 15 years ago. And I remember it being not too bad. And now, today, it's exactly what you're describing, where it is at, at once like dried out and too wet. It's like been under, it's been under a heat lamp yeah, for hours. Terrible. You can tell like when the ink, when, you know, the ink from when they put it out <laughs> has started to smudge. You know, you know that it's really bad. But I'll tell you, man, if you ever get the, the treat, do you guys have Costco there? You get the you get the treat of waiting in line with all the other animals, and uh, you get you get a uh, you get a rotisserie chicken that's come come just come out. Oh boy, eat that on no. the way home. That's living. Never did that. Although oh, my kids! I think my kids have gotten the big foot long hot dog, which uh-huh. is vile. Or that the, like two dollar pizza they got. Uh, I don't think they've done the pizza. I, I've seen the pizza, but I, my kids in general are trained not to order pizza anywhere ever. Oh, smart, smart. Yeah, their pizza seems kind of like a dare. It's kind of like amusement park pizza, which can be really good for what it is, but no, I wouldn't. I don't think it's, it's the same pass. thing with the hot dog. Like it's terrible. Maybe yeah. I'm thinking of Walmart or Kmart or something, but there's some place that has a, this signature, like too large novelty size hot dog that is very bad tasting. Yeah, yeah, and they also have caskets. That's strange. You got to walk by the caskets at ours. They they get like demonstration corners from caskets. <laughs> I don't know if those are in ours. Maybe, maybe I'm not looking closely. We got mattresses. You we get got the mattress furniture. corners, like the little we, corners. We got a piano. Got a we piano. got tires. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Super interesting. I enjoy chicken. Chicken is a dish that uh, that I will have many different ways. So yeah. So anyway, to your point though, I just really there's a certain there is something I really enjoy. It, it's really gross, but I really do like what they call salt and pepper. You know, chicken, salt and pepper, pork chops. It's really just super fried chicken. But you know what? It's weird. You're right. I do. I I will give them a pass on chicken wings. Prepared in a certain style, I will give a pass in a way that I don't otherwise. I, I wouldn't reject a wing if it's handed to me by a friend, but like I don't, I don't like seek out the wing part of the complete bird. We're probably covering this more extensively than we need to. <laughs> the world needs to know. <sighs> well, while we're covering things extensively, we want to hit the uh, our two. Uh, what are we going to call this? Uh, I'm trying to think of a word that begins with P that that rhymes with segment of a show. Uh, it's the pronunciation section of the program and the two ones that spring to mind here are uh costco which uh where i'm from is costco and where everyone in my family should be saying it that way but my mother having moved away from the northeast now says it like you and i try to correct her every time what what, what, hang on what am i saying i said do it like exaggerated do like an exaggerated like mike myers coffee talk thing that's Co- the way. Cost, that's Costco? The way. Cost, yeah. Cost? Right. Instead of cost, like, like I was costed. Costco. Yeah. Anyway, anyway so I've got hmm. Costco, and then also the person who draws lots of little dots. If if 
this person was a Batman villain. What would the Batman villain who draws tiny dots be called? A stippler? No, no, overthinking it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, draws tiny dots. A oh oh like like the, the com- like a comic artist. The the d o t the dot daughter. Yeah, if it says a Batman villain who draws dots and everything. What's oh. called what? Da- called so what? like a uh, daughter. The with a the in front of it. The right? daughter. Right, right. Yeah. And now, uh, now uh, the who female is the female child? Uh, child lives in your house. Daughter. The daughter. Yeah, same. Exactly. Thing, right? Exactly the same. All right. Just now. Now, okay. All right. Let's roll it out. Give me. Give me how you do it. <laughs> do do. I heard you pronounce. I you. Uh, I listened to your old episode of Inquisitive with Mike talking about YouTube. YouTube, YouTube, <laughs> YouTube, Ooh, yeah. YouTube. Red. I forgot about that. That should have been the follow up. <laughs> and um, and you pronounce your own name. You pronounce. I heard it so many times. I do that. I did that. When did I do that? On on a recent program that I was on, Syracuse. Uh, oh, on on the on the Rands thing. On uh, oh on yeah, Mr. Lop's episode. Yeah, Syracuse. Destiny. Sarah, there's no seer. There's no seer. You got it. No Z. Yeah, Costco. The daughters of Costco. Costco. Uh, we had Sam's Club in Florida. Yeah, we have that too. Yeah, Costco's Costco's pretty. It's pretty fancy. It's nice. I like a Costco. We bought a TV there. Don't do that. No. No. Hmm. Too late. I know. But just for what it's worth, my Vizio uh, precedes the uh, the creepiness. Yeah, but they, didn't they backport the creepiness? I think they did, but I did not even have that setting in my settings. And I really need a new TV. It's, <laughs> it's bad. It's, you know what? Did I tell you we have to warm it up? I told you this, right? Yeah, pro tip, don't buy Vizio. Hmm. You don't think Vizio is a good deal? I'm setting aside the privacy nonsense. You don't think it's a good deal for the money? People say that, but I still feel like it is the bargain brand that has not pulled itself up from the bargain ranks in the same way that lg is trying to so i still view it with suspicion okay all right well you know i've talked about this lots of places but it's it's frustrating because it feels a little bit like buying a mattress where it can be difficult to know if it's exactly these it seems like you'd never see the same model any two places i know that's not strictly true no, but it's not as bad as mattresses. I know, I know, I know. They don't change the names and stuff like that. But, um, yeah. but it is, it is, it is a can, maybe a canonical type of technology purchase where you know. I think I always think of hard drives as being, you know, one of the, the weirdest examples of this, where it's like it's just there's all this stuff in the bullets, and you're not really sure exactly which to pay attention to. And you know, and people have said that the problem I've got it could be pretty easy to fix. But you know, I'm ready for it. We're ready for a new TV. It's been a long time. Should hang in there until you can get one with HDMI 2.1. Okay, for good enough. Future proofing because we're on the cusp of that, and I feel like that will will last you longer. And if you can if you can limp along with the TV that requires warm up, if you'd allow it, uh, tell me about it. What is what is that? That's just the next uh, standard. The you know the HDMI standard for mm-hmm. uh, sending uh, audio and video, and it has tremendously more bandwidth to handle higher frame rates and higher resolutions. Uh, and so it's more future proof, uh, you know, based on like what, uh, you know, what new standards people start broadcasting in, what, mm-hmm. what, what will content be available in. It is better about sending high quality audio returns. So like, I don't know if you've seen the HDMI arc thing on your TV where it's like you can send a signal into the television 
and you also want to get the multi-channel audio back out to go to your multi-channel stereo uh, you know receiver setup and some tvs have this limitation based on either bandwidth or copy protection or both where they would only send stereo back out of the tv even if it was 5.1 sound going in and huh. that's less of a concern when you have more bandwidth and yeah it's just you know it, it may or may not be worthwhile because you could get a tv that has hdmi 2.1 but doesn't do any of the fancy features that eventually go on it and maybe doesn't even display higher frame rate or higher resolutions because hey, it's 4k tv so who cares if you can run 8k over it and who knows if that will ever be a thing but it's just one of those times where it's better if, if you're within months you know if you're within six months and being able to get one mm-hmm. with 2.1 who knows it, it just feels like it is a more future-proof type of thing it is it it Am I wrong? Is it, isn't it kind of a transitional time where, at least last time I checked with any integrity, the 4K thing was still very much shaking out where you could get one that does the 4K, but like, is that more of a done deal at this point? 4K is okay. The, the current thing that's in flux is HDR, high dynamic range, because there's okay. two competing standards for that and a possible third coming along. And if you had bought a TV when those things were brand new, maybe it can't do the standard that's going to win. Most of them can do both standards now if you get a very modern TV. Like, yeah, we are still, we're basically still, the, the real problem is we're in the transition from plasma, which was good, to something that's not LCD. Hmm. And so we're trying to, you know, get to OLED, I guess, but even that still has some problems. So we're, we're in a tech, we're in a picture, picture production tech uh, transitional period. But if you don't care about that and you just want to get a, a decent LCD TV, then the only things I would, I would think about are HDMI 2.1 and try to get one that supports all of the hdr standards because we have no idea which one if any will be relevant uh what does hdr mean high dynamic range it's like uh so if you if they always show the demos of it basically it's the difference between the very bright part of the screen and the very dark part of the screen Mm -hmm. to be able to make a scene where the sun is shining and it looks way brighter than just oh that's a white section of the screen because Mm. on a regular tv you can just you know you can show it as white but it's not like you're shielding your eyes from it because it's not that bright I get it. Uh, HDR gives you more range between the very dark and the very bright areas of the screen. And that suits you because you, you like a uh, very dark dark, right? Well, that's black levels is one thing, but like this is this is the opposite of that. It's like, okay, and also the, 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 the bright areas can get much brighter. I, I've never seen one of these things in person, but all the demos make it seem like, oh, you will actually be blinded by the sun on your TV. You won't. But hmm. um, it's it, it's the difference between looking at a photo of a nice day and looking out the window at a nice day that's the the demo they're trying to say obviously it's not like that because the sun will not appear inside your television but <laughs> it is it is more of a range between the very dark and the very bright obviously the blacks can't get any more black as we learn in spinal tap so mm-hmm. once, once you have oled and there's literally nothing lighting up the screen there it's black so you're fine the bright parts though can get brighter well will you be my cron job or my launch d or something will you uh, will you let me know when it's time to start looking uh yeah like i'm I'm planning on converting my tv and getting everything all 4k sometime in the next year or two mm-hmm. uh but i don't know if you need to wait that long i think you could find a new tv now as long as you made sure you ticked enough of the boxes hmm just take this offline i could use the help yeah and you have to decide whether you care about or want oled i just want to make sure it works with my side-by-side 3d stuff and has a curved screen Mm-hmm. didn't really take off the whole 3d thing did it for the home market no but it doesn't matter because it didn't make tvs that had it appreciably worse arguably it made some no no i, worse, I but, thought uh, it was real easy to deal with for the occasions when we would you know get, get something 3d off the back of a truck it looked pretty good but as with the theater experience there weren't that many times i felt like it really you know 
added that much to the experience. Yeah, I mean, you basically got it for free with, like, you know, the existing screen technology and a little bit of extra circuitry that was pretty cheap, and so it's like, why not? It'll help us sell TVs, as opposed to HDR, which is a little bit more of an effort. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Mac Weldon. You can learn more about Mac Weldon right now by visiting MacWeldon.com. That's Mac with a K, M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Frankly, Mac Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. It's true. I went on the internet and I checked. Mac Weldon is better because Mac Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Mac Weldon has the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. I speak from experience because as we speak right now, as I speak to you anyway, I am wearing an article of Mac Weldon clothing. I own and love two of their Pima long sleeve tee in true black. A black long sleeve t-shirt is essentially my daily uniform because I'm super classy. And Mac Weldon makes one of my favorites. It's, it's weirdly cozy and breathable. It looks tremendous. It helps him look like a responsible dad who knows how to buy clothes that fit him. This is help that I sorely need. They also have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, and that means they eliminate odor. This is a good thing for you to eliminate. That is just science. Mac Weldon truly wants you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair of Mac Weldon underpants, for example, you keep it. Keep the underwear, says Mac Weldon. Keep them. They will still refund you with no questions asked. Not only do Mac Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well too. They're good for working out, going to work, going on dates, or just for everyday life. I use it for recording podcasts and it works a treat. Here's the thing. Listeners of Reconcilable Differences can get 20% off at MacWeldon.com with the offer code DIFFS. That's D-I-F-F-S. Please go and check them out at MacWeldon.com. Our thanks to Mac Weldon for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Last week we were talking about John's uh, cautious tech optimism, and you um, you brought something up, something you'd seen on the internet, uh, which you described as something like the the world described in five charts. So this is the last two hundred years in charts. Tell people what you found and walk them through what this thing is. I think the most exciting part was googling it, like you know, because I'd probably seen it on Twitter, and it's retweeted around a million times as the JPEG compression slowly degrades this one image that people <laughs> are forwarding and tweeting, and to find that again. I didn't even bother going to the Twitter search. I just went right to Google and typed like 200 years, progress, charts, something, <laughs> something. Right. And eventually I found, you know, you can just do an image search, you know, sorted by date, past month, whatever. Like I find the image, right? But that's just the beginning of the journey. Then you have to find, okay, here's the image and here's seven places where the image were and start following the backlinks. Eventually you come to dead ends like, oh, this person doesn't backlink anymore, but I know that they're not the originator. Well, this person says where it came from, but they don't link to it. And eventually you find your way back, 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 all the way back to what I think is the source, which is ourworldindata.org. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, as we discussed, uh, uh, it's a big article that you can read as well with a bunch of things. But there is a, a big money chart at the bottom, which is six of the graphs of extreme poverty, basic education, literacy, child mortality, vaccination and democracy over the past 200 years. Um, and it's a nice little infographic. And so... That's what I was thinking of last time, and people can take a look at it, and it's doing pretty well, except for the democracy one. It looks like that one could still use a boost, but uh, <laughs> everything else is doing pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I, I d- didn't look at this a lot before we started talking, but the trend lines are there. <laughs> There's some interesting spikes. Where was it? There was one that had a really interesting spike. Was it democracy? There's one where there was a big spike, like in the 20s. 
It's kind of weird. Where was that? Oh, the, here it is. The democracy one is a dipper in 1940. Mm-hmm. But then oh, a big spike sure. after. Yeah. It's hard to see in the resolution of these charts. Yeah. But I take your point. Look at that. Look at the vaccination stuff. Oh, God. That's Comes out of nowhere. It's just, it's crazy. Guess what? The kids aren't going to die anymore. Yay. Oh, jeez. What a time. Um, this is cool. I'm glad you found this. I, you know, I, um, I love Google image search. I, I use it. I don't want to exaggerate, but I feel like I use it at least two or three times a day. Yeah. And I prefer it to the regular search. Even when I'm searching for something that's not an image, often mm-hmm. I go to image search because it is easier to scan the results for the thing that I know I'm looking for. And then I can just do a view page and get to the page. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I was talking specifically about, um, search Google for image. So like in Chrome, you can just right click on something and then it'll do an image search based on the actual image. Yep. Ah, it's just, it's so good. That's, that's a little bit, I, I wish that was fuzzier. It's a little bit, uh, bloody minded as they say, and that it like, it wants to find the exact image and often I want it to find similar images, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't do the thing that Google photos does, for example, where you can just type house and it finds houses. It's not even consistent in the weird stuff that it finds because sometimes it'll be like, God, that's incredible. Those are all whatever. Those are all Beyonce at the same ceremony or you know award ceremony but then you'll find ones that it's just like oh no these are just a bunch of things that are like paintings that are predominantly blue but have gold parts yeah. <laughs> and i guess that's how machine learning works or how whatever you would call that the, the algorithms that do that and now, now i have another thing that i had another vaguely remembered thing that i'll have to google for for the next week's show notes um so on, on these on these uh uh machine learning image things where you feed it a bunch of training data so that it gets a feel for like you know what yeah. a painting looks like or whatever, um, and then you feed it a bunch of data that it hasn't seen before and say, "Is this a painting?" Or is it, you know what like tell me what this is within uh, certain categories of things, and and the algorithms will give you a percentage of certainty. Like I think with ninety five percent certainty that this is a painting or that this isn't a painting or whatever. Right? Um, there's a couple of uh, another similar page where it had like I don't know if it was six images, but a whole bunch of images of. Things that the best machine learning algorithms available had like 98.5% certainty were whatever, were like a tree and, and or whatever. And it just looked like, it looked like noise. Yeah, and it's just garbage. Like yeah. It's nothing that a human being would ever, and that really gets you into like how, uh, you know, how we're training these, these neural nets uh, in ways that are certainly not obvious to us and also they're not trained in the same way that our brains are because no <laughs> human being would ever have any certainty this is a tree and the machine learning algorithm is like eh, 98% probably a tree and it's just like a bunch right. of dots. But you, there, was not, like there wasn't a, a moment where you doubted yourself and you went, hmm. They weren't even like Rorschach tests. They weren't no, even like you, like the human imagination could take hold. They were just like so definitively not a tree. Yeah, there wasn't even, a, there didn't seem to be, well, I mean, I'm trying to remember, I, I just tried to Google them and couldn't find them, no, but they were things like, it was a, it was like a, basically a field of noise with some lines or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah, like it was, they look too much like other things to humans. That's why humans will never, it's not like a, an ink blot where they can, oh, it kind of looks like or whatever. These things look definitively like a thing that humans recognize as not, you know, as, as something else, right? Right. So weird. Because, like, if you had a big ink blot, you said, "Oh, it's a butterfly. It's a tree." Well, I could see how that butterfly could also be a tree. It's like, no, this is not a tree, not at all. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> you do start to feel a little crazy though, because it's like chicken dinner. No, it's not. <laughs> it's just dots. 
My daughter. My daughter made that. My daughter. My daughter, Ed 209. Ed 209. That's the one that uh, got confused, right? Yeah. Ed you know, I, I don't know if he's confused, but uh, you think that was... 15 a, seconds he, to comply. 15 seconds to comply. Do you think that's something where they could have just tested a little bit more? You think that was... What do you think? Is that, that bad Bad planning, bad implementation? And you just you just need an off switch there is what you need. An off switch. Okay. Also, Freeze all you motor know, functions. I mean, come on. I know they were under the gun, uh, under, so you know, so to speak, because of the time pressure. But, like, you know, I just feel like before you're going to bring that into a meeting in a big glass room, you might want to, as you say, run some unit tests. Ed 209. That's a good movie. I like that movie. Um, any more thoughts with regard to um, the cautious tech optimism? Anything else you've been thinking about? Well, I, I, that's down in the topics. Maybe we'll revisit it then. Oh, good. Okay. Depending how this goes. Ooh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. When do you do this? Nobody you knows. get in it's here. Like, it's like uh, Santa. How do they work? Right. <laughs> like, it's like the elf on the shelf. Oh, God, please don't. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> um, then you get to do your elf voice. Hello. <laughs> That's the library elf. That's not the elf on the shelf. They're shelf in the library. I can see where you can make that mistake. Hello. Uh, <laughs> I have not yet watched Battle of the X-Planes. I did get it on the Amazon. Uh, I'm going to watch it. All right. Do that. I'm not prepared to discuss it yet. Um, I could talk about some of these media, although I, I, I feel like, again, I should, you know, do a uh, do a rewatch. There's been. Have you noticed? There's been a lot of interest in the OA from our listeners. I feel like it's at like least three, it's like three very anxious people. Oh, it's the same people. I think so. Like it's not oh. a lot. I don't think numerically it is a lot, but the people who want it really want oh, it. Look at me. I'm John. I'm on an Accidental Tech Podcast. Jesus. No, I'm saying like it's the same thing. You know, it seems like a lot, but when you count, like how many was it? Like count them. It's not that many. Well, there have not been that many things that were not somebody being fun and making a joke. There have not been that many things that more than one person reminds us that they... That's right. That's why it stands out. But like, it's like five people. Okay. Maybe three. I stand corrected. Screw you guys. Uh, Anyway, rest assured that it is still sitting there in the list. Okay, okay. okay. Smart smart ass. Hang on a minute now. Let's let's say, why don't we start, uh, if you want, why don't we assign some uh, provisional preliminary... Homework, not homework. You <laughs> ma- shut. You shut your mouth, John Syracuse. I'm just mad. Um, things that we might talk about at some point. The OA in particular, which some people, which which easily as many as three to five people, mm-hmm. have said they want us to talk about. Um, and then you mentioned. I'm wondering how much other Brit Marling stuff should we watch? You had suggested one of her movies, Sound, Sound of My Voice, and The East. Okay, and I only suggested those if you feel like I have not yet had enough of Brit Marling, and I want more to see what the deal is. My mother watched the OA, and I suggested those things as well, and we'll see if she actually follows through on that homework. Okay, but like, don't like if you hated the OA, don't watch these things because it's like it's it's you know right. it's the same person, it's the same, it's not the same deal, but it's you know. Sound of my voice. What was the other one? The East. Which one are we more likely to talk about? Sound of my voice, right? Yeah. Okay. Sound of my voice in the OA. If you want to talk about the uh, OA, you should have called in during the Elderly Pets episode. But we're going to talk uh, at some point about that, so there's your warning about... Because I still don't know what it is you find so interesting about Britt Marling, and I'm fascinated. Do you want to potentially make Arrival a topic for in the end at some point? 
things like the OAN arrival, I have they always put in the spoiler slot. Right? That's what I mean. The spoiler, spoiler, spoiler spot. Yeah, it's tough to say. <laughs> but that's where like they're always at the Quid end. So I have both quo. of them. Have both of them down there. Although before before we get onto that, you skipped over your uh, your uh, triumph over your own broken mind. Oh no, I I, I can't wait to share it with you. I okay, just wanted right, to make I'd... sure if you want to do Professor Syr- Syracuse's uh, demands for media. Uh, which is a terrible name for a podcast. Uh, I just want to give people a chance, you know, because otherwise they're going to go, man, you didn't tell me about that. Now I can't listen to anything from now on. And that's how they say it, too. They say it in that really annoying voice. Well, but we've been, we've been meaning to talk about the OA for a long You You watch it all, right? Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. So we're, we're all set there. It's just that we have trouble getting to it in a timely fashion. So it's giving everybody an extension, like, you know, okay. Snow Day. Your paper would have been due, but everyone gets an extension. So I would say, because uh, for those of you who especially uh, don't like the slow, spo- spoiler slot, uh, watch the OA, which is what, eight, ten episodes? It goes by really fast, and you're going to want to binge it, because boy, are they ever good with the cliffhangers. Um, watch the OA, and, and optionally, uh, Sound of My Voice and or The East, probably Sound of My Voice. I will try to watch The Sound of My Voice. Yeah. No the, promises. The OA is on Netflix. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if Sound of My Voice and The East are. Not sure. They might be hard to find, especially Sound of My Voice, which I had never even heard of until I went digging on this. And it's not the sound of my voice. There's no the in it. It's sound of my voice, I believe. is the title. Like Talking Heads. I'll take your word for it. You didn't know that? Talking Heads is just Talking Heads. There's no the. Oh, I thought they had an album called Sound of My Voice. I'm like, I never heard of that. No, no. You're thinking of uh, Speaking in Tongues. Hmm? All right. Yeah. I'm not, but okay. Uh, last episode... I, we were talking about being old and forgetting things and misspeaking and all the many things that you and I do approximately 1.2 times more each episode. It's getting worse. And I mentioned that there was a song and it was driving me bananas. And I just, I think I described it as trying to put together a, a vase out of pieces of broken glass. And so now it's been, I think, almost a month since I started trying to remember this song. Turns out, a couple days ago, I suddenly remembered it. And I, I have I have a couple data points to share. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't feel great about sharing, but you were right. You were absolutely right. I what I remembered wasn't always wrong, but it wasn't right. The parts that I that I thought I would remember. Remember, I described it. I said, "Okay, it's like this. It's around mm-hmm. this time." I said, "Oh, I think what I said was it's from it was like a March." I said it's like a march, and it, it does have a march beat. It's got a moderate march beat. Uh, I think I said it's from 2004. It's actually from 2001, I think. Um, I said I remember the cover. I didn't remember the cover. I thought <laughs> I remembered the name of the band. Totally wrong. I thought it was two words. I thought it was like the something something, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. It was, no. I was mm, pretty much everything I thought I remembered, except this part. pilot. That's all I remember. And, but I, and so I kept searching for pilot and lyrics, and it would find lyrics for songs with pilot. I know there's better ways to do this. You got to let go right, and right. let God. But I remembered it. I went, ha And you know, here's how I did it. You went, no? I, I, for the third time, I went to Google, and I searched for, I, first I searched for post-rock, then I searched for electronica, and finally I just said indie I think I did indie rock albums, 2004. And then I, I you know, like when you, you've lost something and you're like, I know it's here. I'm just not seeing it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. where you go, I know my keys are here. And you have to like switch into that Daniel Kahneman second mode of thinking. Go like, I am now going to look at every item mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. my desk. No heuristics allowed. Mm-hmm. So I sat down like a gentleman. Indie Rock Albums, 2004. 
and I made myself look, knowing there's a good chance it just wasn't going to be there, because who knows? And I made myself look at the name of every album and band. I finally went back, and there it was. And I saw, I saw it, and it goes, it says, I saw this band. I saw this band. It says, The No Twist. The No Twist. The No Twist. Pilot. This is it. Ding, 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 ding. So now I know. The No Twist with Pilot from 2002. It's three words, the, no, as in the opposite of yes, and then twist? Mm-mm. It's like not twist. N-O-T-W-I-S-T. I think they're from uh, the Germany. Oh. But, man, was that a relief. And then I went and listened to it, and I was like, hey, you know what? This is actually a really good song. You didn't listen to it? Uh, I think it started, or maybe I played the middle of it. I didn't play the whole thing. I was excited for you to remember it. Oh, thank you. I, I think you might like it. It's a little bleepy bloopy. So I've done the same thing you just described, like trying to remember something for a really long time, get frustrated, let it go, come back to it, blah, 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 and eventually have found it. And me being me, what happens then is... <laughs> time for the postmortem. <laughs> no, I find it. And because of all the things you said, that like, it's not... So many of the things you thought you knew about it weren't true. Right, right. I immediately start doubting the sensation that makes me think I found it. Like, are you fooling yourself into thinking you found it? Oh, uh, no, you... To, to, make, oh. to, to terminate the process... You know what I mean? To say, like, are you satisfied with your care? You're not sure. You oh just want this God. to end. You just want the torture to end. And you just like, well, <sighs> I, I found it. And then you're like, but but it's so different than, well, at least you have something to hang your head on. You've got, like, the little snippet of song. You have no way to know. Well, you, But you've got the little snippet of song and lyrics. And I feel like you can match that up and say, okay, all the other crap was wrong. I was able to get Mama Mama Pilot, and that does match up. Yeah, I mean, that's what you need. Like, my, my, uh, the problem I have is, like, I'm often thinking, like, of a poster or a picture or something from my childhood that there are many posters or pictures of. Like, there's this one ad for this game for, you know, the PC that was in, uh, you know, uh, some electronic gaming magazine. And if you do a Google search, you find 100 ads for that game because it was a very popular game. But you have a particular ad in mind. And you just can't find it. Like, oh, this ad showed this person doing this and this scene or whatever. And it had this... And you find an ad, and you're like, oh, that's it. But then you're like, but that doesn't quite match what I was looking for. It doesn't have a person holding a sword, walking over the thing. It's actually a little bit different. Is it really the one that I was looking for? Or is there still somewhere out there oh, the no. one ad I was thinking of that is a better match for what I said? And you know, Then you just really have to let it go. But that happens very often where it's not an exact match. And I feel like the, the triumph of having found it is lessened by how much it doesn't match what was in my head and it starts to, you know, I start to be uncertain about whether I really did find it or whether I'm fooling myself into thinking I found it. And so, boy, you really start locking your keys into a series of increasingly small cars (laughs) because then you go, then you go like, okay, well, what if it's even, even worse than that, which is now I have concatenated two things and I don't remember either of those things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like maybe I'm usually, that's usually my way out of it is like, well, look, if this isn't it, then what you're remembering was not a thing, right? You yeah. Know, this, is the, this is a real thing that you found, and the thing in your head probably wasn't real at all, and this is probably the closest match in reality. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Blue Apron. You can learn more about Blue Apron right now by visiting blueapron.com diffs, that's D-I-F-F-S. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. While supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. For less than $10 American per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with fresh, high-quality ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals 
Each meal comes with a step-by-step, very easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients, and they can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. I have put a clock on it, and that is true. This is a very fast, delicious meal. You can customize your recipes each week based on your dietary preferences and choose a delivery option that fits your needs. There's no weekly commitment, so you only get deliveries when you want them. Blue Apron delivers to 99% of the continental U.S. That is a lot of percent. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with fresh ingredients that support a more sustainable food system, you can make incredible meals. Blue Apron sets the highest quality standard for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. New recipes are created by Blue Apron's culinary team and are not repeated within a year. Not going to repeat them. Won't happen. You can cook recipes like udon noodle soup with miso and soft-boiled eggs, cheddar cheeseburgers with frizzled onions and romaine salad, baked ricotta cannelloni with romaine salad and Meyer lemon dressing. Yum-zalicious, as we like to say in my house. My favorite part of Blue Apron, I admit that this is kind of corny, but this is totally true. This is real talk. Blue Apron nights are one of the few times that our whole family gets together in the kitchen together like people and we cook a meal together. All three of us. It's, it's ponderous, but it actually does happen. It's a lot of fun. And my nine-year-old daughter, who eats practically nothing, loves prepping the ingredients. She loves chopping the scallions. She, and then she ends up even trying new foods because guess what? Hey, turns out she helped make the food. It's just the best. And it's a really fun time. So please go. Go. Check out this week's menu. And you're going to get three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com diffs. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. You visit blueapron.com slash diffs, that's D-I-F-F-S. Our thanks to Blue Apron for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Oh, where's my memory file? Oh, yeah, Mysterious Memories, Run X. <laughs> Is that like your dream journal? Yes, I got, I got, okay, I got two things for you. Okay. First of all, one of the smartest things I ever did, and this is totally a 43 folders thing. Um, you know, you've heard, you've heard Corey Doctor use that phrase outboard brain. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's kind of become like a popular phrase now to describe like any way that you, what would be a general way to describe this? An outboard brain, it could be something as simple as your Palm Pilot, but it's, it's a way of, of having a, shut up. It's a way of having some, <laughs> I was being old again. It's an, ex, it's an external, non-wetware way to keep track of stuff. And uh, I'm, I'm explaining this poorly, but you get the basic idea. But you know, one of the smartest things I ever did, the phenomenon that you're describing, I guess the way I would phrase it is, if I have forgotten this before, there's a pretty good chance I'll forget it again. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing this with Pinboard back in the day was every time I would find something after lots of, you know, um, maddening searching, I would always add the tag outboard brain to it. And now you're saying probably, oh, yeah, well, like, what are the chances? I can't even tell you how often I would start searching for something plus outboard brain. And outboard brain would be like this, this precious airlocked area of like full of great stuff that i always forget about and it it always paid me back to say to do out upboard brain i feel like you're gonna end up overloading that like that it's uh that everything will be tagged with that eventually and that it will you lose its usefulness and why not just because it'll, there'll be too much results like really you need to search for something that's in the words the, the, the way i usually do it is when i have that situation something I either keep forgetting or took a long time to find 
I have I have domain problems in that I have multiple places where I can keep this stuff, but there's not that many domains. And basically, I could cycle through all the domains. Was it an email? Was it in your Jimbo? Was it in my notes? Like, there's right. not that many of them. So I can basically go through them all and do a search. But my problem is, if I filed it under a word that I'm looking for that is not in the text. So when I do the outboard brain thing, rather than putting the words outboard brain in it, I will keyword spam myself. But, but but I'll bet you use the same logic as Google, though, which is don't overthink this. Type the first. It's like a mnemonic. you got to type the first right. thing that, that comes that in That works mind. for me a lot of the time, especially in my work. It, it works for me to, to have my own brain just instinctively do what it did and it will match up. But when I'm searching for stuff that I often forget, I, that doesn't work as well. So I have to put synonyms, abbreviations, misspellings, like or like a big, long sentence that includes them all. So that when I search later, I won't, you know, did I put that under wipers, windshield? car like i'm looking for like which windshield wipers do i normally order for my car right and that thing that has that information and the model numbers and links and blah blah has to have all those words in it so that when i type whichever Mm -hmm. one i decide to type on that day will bring it up and car is not a good one because too many things match that i was telling my daughter about mnemonics and the 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 one thing i know about mnemonics is oh they, they work but the main thing i know about mnemonics is you it is so important not to overthink it um, she loves the Stephen Moffat Sherlock Holmes uh, series, and she uh, she really loves it. And she has a gardening teacher, this this, this beautiful uh, this beautiful lesbian woman at her school who happens to look almost exactly like Mycroft Holmes, except cute. And uh, and she's always telling about her teacher that looks like Minecraft. You think I'm bad? So she calls, <laughs> calls she says she also refers to what people did in the South in the '60s as sittins. They would go to the lunch <laughs> counters and have sit-ins. Um, and that, I'm, come on, come on. I, I read this book today about these little girls, this little girl who went to New York, and when she came home, she did sit-ins. And they would go, and, they, and their, their parents even practiced throwing coffee on them so they'd know what was going to happen. they put ketchup on them, but they would kept going back to the sit-in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but with mnemonics, I was like, okay, well, here's the thing. Uh, you know, my croft, like as in my, it belongs to me, it's my, my croft. Didn't really take, because it's, you know, pretty close to mine. But like, also Minecraft, pretty cute. But that's the thing. The only mnemonics that ever worked for me were the ones where I was very embarrassed by how dumb the mnemonic was. And that then it would stick with me. And I think keyword tagging, Google searching, all these things, it's all the same way. You've got to get out of your dumb brain. I'm trying to think of any good mnemonics like that that I have. I'm sure they're in there. Hi, Herman. This is one we learned what, in chemistry. Hi, Herman. Lily, Bet, Bob, cannot. Hydrogen, helium, lithium, beryllium, boron, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, fluorine, oh, I neon. Never, I never knew that one. Hi, Herman. Lily, Bet, Bob, can not. There's lots of better ones than that, but I would have been so much better in biology if I just let go and let mnemonic. Uh, Saturday, December 11th, 9.55 a.m., 2004. I start a file called RunX Mysterious Memories. Oh, you and your RunX. Okay. <laughs> God, it is when, never... when you're during your estate sale, I really hope someone can dig up the episode where you try to explain your 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 crazy set of strings that you put in front of things like Run it's X. yarn. Otherwise, it's yarn, will, John. It's yarn. It's red we'll be, yarn. We'll be puzzling over that for years. And like, was this before or after his descent into madness? Like that was before. I, let me start out. Let me start out with a few. So this is basically this is really deep in my quicksilver days, where I would mm-hmm. basically here's how it here, here's how this would go. Thought, chunk, punk, kunk, brr, kunk, done. That's it. So I wouldn't even look at it. I wouldn't think about it. Um, an image, an image I can't explain goes through my head. Uh, a song I can just barely remember goes through my head. Um, some kind of a memory I've never been able to 
figure out or account for. And I would just add line after line to this. And it is so. Let's see. Let's start off easy. Let me let me start you off. I'll start you off with a few memories, and then we'll go into some songs. The corner of your mind. Yeah. Uh, the water tower on Coleraine Avenue that in my head was shaped like a baseball mitt. Uh, when I first heard Van Cliburn. Uh, you slice tomatoes so thin, your mother-in-law will never come back. Cash Hamburgy. <laughs> Save cash with cash. Cash is Big Bargain Barn, South Lebanon, Ohio. The Burger Chef Scratch-Off Contest, what is the lowest weight class? That was where you, could, you, uh, you would do a scratch-off card, and, uh, and that was about boxing. The day my dog uh, swallowed a chicken breast from KFC. It's flyweight, the, right? Uh, I think flyer paper. I'm not sure. April in Paris. April in Kalamazoo. Jamie Summers. Uh, let's see. I got a couple more here. Uh, I got a couple more songs. The Earth's a big blue marble when you see it from up there. How do you know that those are songs? Are there little music notes next oh, to Oh, I remember. Big race today at the Putt-Putt Speedway. Any of these ring a bell? No. Remember the, no. Ch- remember the Chuck Wagon commercial? Yeah. Okay. Uh, a story with the line patient, or no, I think it was a joke, actually. It was a shaggy dog joke. It includes the line patience, donkey patience. Uh, I would always confuse Sally Forth and Sally Ride. Uh, and a girl in 10th grade who was affectionately known as Three Beer Tabby. Uh, so, yeah, got all of those. Affectionately known. Marlo and the Magic Movie Machine. Marlo. Da, 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 da. Marlo. Do you remember that? No. Hmm. So, what, so this, this file... Yeah. That you've been dutifully adding things to. Run X Mysterious Memories, QQQQ. Right. So what is the what's the value proposition here? Oh jeez, here we go. Like you explained the dream journal thing. I forget is this is A cynic same? is someone who knows the cost of everything and the value of nothing. I should have written that down. That's Oscar no. Oscar Wilde. Yeah, write that in your write that in your uh, in your precious memories file. <laughs> it's like an ancient bird. Exactly. No, no, I'm sorry. Like for this is this is like this is a waking thing. It's not as if you, you oh, awake. No. And these things in your mind, and you feel like you need to capture them. Well, and also do stuff like, you know, remembering things my family would say. Uh, all this in heaven, too. I wonder what the poor people are doing. You look like you combed your hair with a mix master. Like, every time I would come across something like that, I would add it. Cause like, but do you annotate it, then? Like, with a date and a person? Because that's the stuff you're going to forget, not the fact that you've heard this saying your whole life. Yeah, see, but this is weird. I have, like, a... Um uh, who's the symbols guy? I have like a Jungian thing about this water tower on Coleraine Avenue, shaped like a baseball mitt. I, I it, it was kind of like a baseball mitt and kind of shaped, shaped like my grandmother's head, and it was brown and big and up on a hill near the pony keg. And uh, I can't untangle that. But if I had not written that down, I would not be able to conjure up that particular brain salad I just served. How many of these things do yeah. you think are actually? dreams that you later remember as if they were real things and then write down a ton of these are most definitely commercials from my childhood <laughs> i'm the sole survivor the burger scruff, uh, burger chef scratch off contest i feel like i remember that or it's a big blue marble what was the soul survivor was a board game commercial yeah 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 what yeah remember the, the kids on the beach uh i think it was called survivor no wait no uh i'm the sole survivor he's gonna get the asia song um, I'm the sole survivor. You gotta type Stay commercial. Alive, the survival game from Milton Bradley. Stay Alive. <laughs> oh, God, it was on constantly after school. Stay yeah. Alive. Oh, now you remember Operate? It's my turn to operate. Operate? Remember that? Operation was the game, yeah. Yeah, right, right. Operation. Mom would come down the stairs and look aghast. 
The gravy they train. They still sell that. They still sell a crappy version of that, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they do. It's the worst. Actually, they play it on Sherlock. My daughter has it. It sucks. She plays it by herself. She's a lonely kid. Patience, donkey, patience. Oh, the Bullworker. The Bullworker. I remember the Bullworker, which was like an early home fitness thing. It looked kind of like a bow. I remember both Bowflex. Bowflex, sure, sure. Yeah. I wrote part of my thesis about the Soloflex. I feel like this file has less value than the Dream Journal. That's no. hard for me to say. <laughs> no, it's uh, they're, <laughs> they're both. Let's admit they're both important. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> remember that so thin your in-laws won't come back? Was that the Ginzu knife? I thought that was a, a snippet from a dream. I Ginsu knife sure cut tomatoes and cans, mm-hmm. soda cans, but I don't remember the in-laws. Like, what was it? Why was cutting it thin keeping your in-laws away? Like, they don't like. I thin guess. Tomatoes? I guess the in-laws really prefer thicker, thicker tomatoes. The original Ginsu ad going into show notes in Japan: the hand can chop wood. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Okay, in the notes. Uh, yeah, you know, I think it's just a thing. You know, uh, people do not like being invited to a house and then not getting a thick tomato. <laughs> they feel like they've been a little bit, uh, you know, ripped off. We don't say gypped anymore. When I first heard Van Clyburn, what is that? Is that a reference? That sounds like a line from like a uh, like a like a trip hop song. Water Tower on Coleraine Avenue. So you don't write things like this down so much. I don't think so. I don't think I have had any writing down free associated stuff. Like I, I bring them up in my mind and turn them over mm-hmm. occasionally and send them back into the rubble pile, but I don't mm-hmm. I don't write them down. So I felt like if I did write them down, that would just be another puzzle for me to solve. Now I have this concretized puzzle, puzzle, oh, puzzle outside right. the world that I'd look at it and be like, what was I thinking when I wrote this? What is this? Oh my God. To? So again, it just, and it just compounds. Remember when they're trying to get people to use zip codes and they had the commercial with uh, Danielle, is it Brisbois? Remember the one, the little girl on All in the Family? Uh, Meathead's wife? No, 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 no. This is after Meathead and uh, Sally Struthers left and, and they had the little girl that they adopted. Oh, I don't Never think mind. I this, is, this is a long trip for a small hot dog. I just remember there's a line about zip codes and it ends with the mother going, because my little Danielle used the right zip. That goes through my head. I have that in my head. Day my dog swallowed the chicken breast. He ate an entire. He swallowed and my beagle, my beagle <laughs> swallowed and because because first he d- d- grabbed the chicken and I knew eh, 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 alarm bells. Dogs mm-hmm. can't have chicken. Again with the chicken, they can't have chicken bones. Or are you worried about the chicken itself? No, no, no. It's mainly the soft bones. Soft bones, pointy spikes. Yep, yep. yep. And I and I go shrieking, right, shorty, and I'm going, and he goes, <gasps> he gets up on the bed. I remember this. He gets up on the bed. He's got got a full KFC. Now this is the old days. This is back when you had the extra large breasts, mm-hmm. right? And he goes, <laughs> <laughs> and I went, no. That's where the phrase "wolfed it down" comes from. Wolfed it down. Looks like he combed his hair with a mix master. <laughs> I miss my grandmother so much. I wonder what the poor people are doing. Oh, Kentucky, you were good to us. Well, you know, if you ever want to share share yours of this with me, and I think our listeners would love to hear it. I don't, I don't think I have anything like that. You've got to have some silly. You've got, you've got to have like bad lyrics or something, right? Don't you have bad mm, lyrics? All bad lyrics are in my head. I'm gonna Yojimbo would be the place I would have that. Let me look what I've got here. I have a note labeled the flop house, but all it is is references to episodes and time offsets for things that I have searched for. All the times they couldn't even mention the domain name you bought them. They couldn't even give it the right name. Mm. What no. is it? Words to sound alike? Nope. That's mm. not it. <laughs> words to sound like other things. Nope. Lost, lost to history for everyone except for me. Mm. 
Ooh, I have one labeled intermission. Oh, that's probably just the software. <laughs> so many of these things that I think are like, this is an intriguing name. That's just the name of an application. Well, that sucks. <laughs> it's always the name of an application. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's the song. The song will be in show notes. Uh, as ever, you can go to relay.fm and find show notes for this episode. The show you're listening to is called Reconcilable Differences, and this is episode 46. Back to you, I John. do have a file called Claim Chowder. Oh, tell me it's more. It's got one thing in it. Although I did, I put a claim chowder thing in today. I should probably add that to this file, but I'm not that organized. This is a tweet from someone who says Apple will switch to x86 on both iOS and OS 10 by 2015. That person was incorrect. You, without saying it, do you have the name on that? I know who it was. That's all that matters. I know. <laughs> you know what you did. <laughs> this person knows what they did. Guess what? iOS is not on x86 by 2015. Huh. Surprise. <laughs> I have a file called Look Around You. Do you know what the contents of that file is? Uh, something about Peter Serafinowicz? Uh, so that it's I, I title case thing. So the note is called Look Around You, capital L, A, and Y, right? Uh-huh. Contents of the file are the three words Look Around You. <laughs> <laughs> Which is somehow fitting. <laughs> Cat, look around you. Oh, uh, that's great. Uh, is, do you think it's in reference to the... Um, am I being silly? I'm, I'm thinking of the TV show. Are you thinking of the TV show? Yeah, yeah. Look around you. Yeah, exactly. I have top 20 movies, a list of uh, top 20 movies that I must have assembled at some point in 2006. Wow. What's your top one? We got Empire Strikes Back? No, I would I would change this this sorting now. I've got The Godfather up top, but I feel like I would... you got time. You can workshop it. you got time. I, I feel like I would change that around. My daughter loves Peter Serafinowicz. She loves uh, she loves Brian Butterfield. She likes Sassy Trump. She uh, She's enjoyed him on Parks and Rec. It's funny. And number 20, like the one that just clawed its way onto the 20. I guess it was down to the part where I was like debating like what, what should be in, what should be out. Um, you'll never guess it because I wouldn't. I, I, I think having to make this list, having to make top twenty movies, makes you dig out what the number twenty is going to be. Uh, Brighton Beach Memoirs. <sighs> Why'd you tell me I was going to guess? Okay, uh, I you never, guess you never would have guessed it. You never. I was, I was going to say Escape from New York. No. Hmm. no, you don't. You don't know what it is. But anyway, Brighton Beach Memoirs. Yeah, like that's a, that's a twenty. I feel like it's a strong twenty. Is it still a twenty for you? Uh, I think I would reshuffle this list. Is that Matthew Broderick? No. What am I thinking of? Radio Days? It's Jonathan Silverman, right? Uh, Oh, from the TV show. Right. Brighton Beach Memoirs. Is it Neil? It's Neil Simon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Okay. What am I confusing it with? Is Radio Days Woody Allen? Is this Uh, thing on? What am I doing? Yeah, maybe Radio Days is Woody Allen. Was it part? Wasn't there like a trilogy of these Neil Simon things? I feel like there was a trilogy. Oh, Maybe. it precedes Biloxi Blues and Broadway Bound. Yeah, there you go. Biloxi Blues was the, the other one, which was not as good as Bright Beach Memoirs. Was that uh, Matthew Broderick? Yes, I think so. Okay. What about Broad- Broadway Bound? Was that Matthew Broderick? Never, never saw it. Okay. Pre-Broadway engagement at the current theater. Oh, so we, we also got to talk about Les Mis at some point. Uh, I, I, let's see. Is that it for follow-up? We got... Um, yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah, so anyway, I put here, you know, there's a thing I do where I make it really small and, and, and mm-hmm. light gray. Oh, I'm so, young, yeah. I can still read it. All right. Okay, okay, good, good, good. I, uh, yeah, so I, I saw Arrival again and I liked it. I would be willing to discuss that at some point. Yep, it's in there. It was way better, yeah, it was way better the second time. 
we haven't discussed it at all. Like I was, I was on the uh, incomparable episode about the arrival, uh, but I don't think we discussed it on the show, did we? No, you know what? I'm sorry. I think we talked about it uh, after we stopped recording, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, it's there. So I'm going to watch uh, Battle of the X-Planes. I, I, tonight, I'm probably, when I get home, I'm probably going to watch Millennium Actress. Yep, yep. Then I'm going to watch uh, Battle of the X-Planes. By the way, that was on my top 20 movies list, Millennium Actress. Back then? Wow. It's, it's an old movie. It was yeah, 2006 I, I made the list. Huh, uh, Millennium huh, Actress huh. was what? 2000. Two, I don't even know. Maybe even before that. I'll let you know when I watch it tonight. First ten minutes look really good. Really, looks really uh, sophisticated. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Ministry of Supply. You can learn more about Ministry of Supply right now by visiting ministryofsupply.com/reconcilable. Now listen, we all know what it's like to spend over 40 hours a week in uncomfortable work clothing. Typical workplace monkey clothes, yuck. Restrictive and unbreathable, no thank you, gross. Not to mention that by the end of the day, they're all wrinkled too, yuck. And this is where Ministry of Supply comes in. They're going to dive in and fix the day for you because they make performance clothes for the modern day workplace. Launched by MIT engineers, Ministry of Supply combines human-centric research performance technology, and tailored design to create wear-to-work clothes for men and women, like dress shirts, blouses, and pants, or as they say in England, trousers. Their garments work with your body to provide maximum comfort, combined with features like temperature control, wrinkle resistance, and extreme stretch to give you a sharp, professional look all day long. Let's take just one example. Go have a look at Ministry of Supply's Future Forward Dress Shirt. It has NASA-invented fibers that regulate body temperature based on your surroundings. I own and wear this very model myself, and I love it. It is slim, trim, sexy, and possibly even a modern classic. It makes me look smart and employed and potentially lovable, and I need those things. Thank you, Ministry of Supply. Ministry of Supply also makes socks now, too. The Smarter Dress Sock, they're made of coffee fiber, coffee fiber, coffee fiber that wicks sweat and absorbs odor. They provide extreme cushion with more padding than gym socks. Ministry of Supply offers free shipping, free returns, and a 100-day, no-questions-asked return policy. Nothing wrong with that. To find out more and to get 15% off your first purchase, go to ministryofsupply.com slash reconcilable. Or you can visit any of their nine retail stores in locations including San Francisco, Atlanta, and Chicago. You mention this show and you will claim your 15% off. Our thanks to Ministry of Supply for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. So I was—I thought we would do self-driving cars. That's what I had in there um, because it relates to tech optimism or tech in general. But then because today is Valentine's Day, we're recording mm-hmm. this on. I maybe if we have, think we have anything to say about that i remember when we scheduled this we said oh should we should we schedule it or is it not a good idea to have a podcast on valentine's day and both of us looked ah, no, it doesn't matter whatever it's fine um <laughs> yeah how, how is how is your valentine's day going oh it's been great I, I killed it i killed it this year i went to walgreens i mean it wasn't later than like seven got some, last night. Got some nice nuts oh nice i got i got some shopkins I got some. I got, I got my lady a Vogue. Uh, I got candy for both of them. 
I got that other one. It's not Sum Sums. It's not Shopkins. It's like uh, Nim Noms or Bim Bobs or Bim Bobs. <laughs> it's the ones where there's like an ice cream cone on a lip gloss. I got her one of those too. I'll think of it. It's like it's like it's 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 like it's basically like Shopkins or kind of like a Sum Sum. They they're nested uh, lip gloss ice creams. And of it's it's, they it's, are. it's well, it's the new. It's like the new, you know, Shopkins. Uh, what else did I get? Oh, I got her National Geographic magazine. And I got her some Shopkins stickers, and uh, boy, they were, they were both very happy. I, so I even it, got up to watch them open them at six six thirty. So is this how Valentine's Day manifests in your life? It is a gift giving occasion. For I want to hear your story on this too. So for me, I am doing this totally out of obligation. I think Valentine's Day is a stupid idea. It's a holy day of obligation. Yeah, I get it. It's. Hmm. It's one of those things that, like, even setting aside all the mercantile, like, oh, that was invented by Hallmark. I, I don't care. Like, whatever it is, it is nobody feels good on Valentine's Day. It's not good for anybody. There's nothing healthy about Valentine's Day. Uh, pretty much everything. It's, it's one thing to say, like, oh, you know, let's make sure we remember to do something nice for our moms on Mother's Day. Valentine's Day is not good for anybody. I think it's a blight. Um, but it's also nice to be a little kid and get a present and a card from your dad. So, you know. I think that's important to do for those kinds of things. I, I know I, I treasured it when I was a kid, but I'm also probably enculturating her to this terrible, terrible ho- holiday that is made of disappointment and unnecessary heartache. How do you feel? I I always I, I see that around these holidays like this, Valentine's Day, but really any type of widely cere- celebrated in, in the U.S. holiday thing where – because of the the things I read and the people I follow on Twitter and the slacks I'm in and, and so on and so forth, like you can't help but see pretty much the exact sentiment that you just said. I mean, sometimes you'll get the angle of like uh, invented holiday, blah blah blah, hallmark, sheep wake up sheeple, tinfoil hat, blah, blah blah, you know whatever that is. Yeah, and you also get like that it is that there is a cruelty to it because it is if you are alone and everyone else is celebrating, whether it's like christmas time or valentine's day or whatever that it it uh you know everyone else doing this supposedly fun thing that you'll never do again uh, highlights your situation that is not that's not in compliance that is not up to snuff um and i see a lot of that i see almost none of the opposite very very little of the opposite which is a straightforward uncynical celebration in the spirit of the whatever whatever that thing might be so for instance for valentine's day it's like even though we should show people in our lives our appreciation for them every day this holiday is a reminder to you know to a reminder to do that and we all need a reminder sometimes and so it's like to shake you out of your taking for granted the people in your life and to do something that lets them know and it was the, and it was the best christmas ever right but you know like that's that's what the you know the 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 earnest take on the occasion why is this, why does the occasion exist at all shouldn't whatever th- good thing we're doing or feeling on this occasion happen all the time and isn't isolating it to one day either saying again we get back to the cynical text saying that the rest of the year you don't need to do this and you just need to do it this one time or punishing you for not having and done it elsewhere and you're making amends in this one occasion or again uh Rubbing it in the faces of people who don't have someone on Valentine's Day, like right, right, like, right. So, my, I mean, I, I have not in my later 
decades been one to indulge in the in the more cynical takes on these things you know i get you know people can do it whatever but i feel like it's that voicing those things like the, the, the holiday is not at fault that that voicing those things is part of the function function of the holiday like that hopefully upon reflection people will eventually hmm. realize that every valentine's day they uh, uh their anger and resentment at themselves in the world comes to the surface and it's a different de- kind of day of reflection for them but i have a hard time getting actually worked up about the holiday itself because like tattoos like we discussed before mm-hmm. there's always for almost all of these things that you can even conceive of as having good intentions behind them there is an angle that you could take on them in even the most grim situations to to have a positive experience like so even if it's like everyone in my family died this year including my spouse of 50 years and it's valentine's day explain to me how i'm going to feel good about valentine's day and how it's not going to make me feel worse everything can be spun you know from from a you know from a certain point of view right so same thing with a tattoo of the person you now hate or uh, commemorating an experience that was terrible or whatever Mm -hmm. you know valentine's day could be an occasion to remember your departed spouse of 50 years right oh god right you know what i mean like that it really depends on how you know what you bring to it what you know the cave remember your failure in the cave right it's the same like and i'm not saying that that anyone needs to feel bad about themselves for not being able to do that or whatever but i just i just feel like that i'm having a hard time putting the holiday in a box like it's not it's not the holiday that's in the box it's like uh, we bring the box with us and slap it around the holiday and everyone brings their own box and so what is it intrinsically about the holiday is nothing intrinsically about the holiday it's just an occasion to, you know it really is literally an occasion to it's like a rorschach, rorschach test like no, what do you but, see but it's wrong an occasion to think day? about a specific thing hmm. you know because there is a theme you know valentine's day it's like romantic love right to think about a specific theme uh, thing and however that thing is currently fitting into your life that holiday will emphasize that. And is it, is it bad or good to have any days to emphasize things? I would say that it's probably good because we can't maintain attention and concentration on everything in the entire world. So every once in a while, it's good to have an occasion to think about something. And we haven't filled up the year. We can't fill up the year, even though every day is technically probably 17 different holidays. Culturally in the U.S., we highlight a small number of them because, again, you can't sustain it for the whole year. If every day was Christmas or Halloween or Valentine, we pick a few of them out for whatever reason culturally, and those are the ones that stand out. And on those days, we do activities and think about a certain thing. And depending on how that activity or that certain thing is in relation to your life right now, you're going to feel good or you're going to feel bad. Um, but overall, uh, the phenomenon of these type of holidays, I've you know, if, if I was cynically against them in my youth, having been invented by Hallmark and stuff like that, I'm certainly not now, um, but I don't begrudge people that anger. But that's just not how I come at it. Huh. Another, another very surprising answer. That that one's very surprising to me. Well, so do you do you see where I'm coming from? Like, I feel like even though you voiced the the typical like you know the thing that we all feel about all these manufactured holidays, what you actually did, in fact, was do nice things for the people in your life. That's what you actually did, regardless right. of what you may say about how dumb Valentine's Day is. Well, yeah, yeah. Um... I guess what I'm saying is, and I, this sounds like some kind of weird privilege position, but I guess I just feel like there are there are already too many public opportunities that are encouraged that whether we want it to be or not comes down to comparing our lives to others. And um, 
Uh, well, as ever, I'm very competitive about some things and just not competitive at all about a whole bunch of others. And in terms of like the world that I would like to see, um, I don't see the world getting good because of Valentine's Day. And I'm, so I'm just clarifying, just in case you're being good cop here, I'm not I don't mean to criticize if somebody enjoys Valentine's Day. I think the people who enjoy Valentine's Day uh, are recent couples. That that is who this day is for. Um, because so here's the thing. I mean, now I mean I'm trying to do do a little uh, sort here because okay, uh, who doesn't love Valentine's Day? Well, I'll tell you one person that doesn't love Valentine's Day is somebody who is not in a relationship or is in a relationship they don't like or is in a relationship they don't like as much anymore. But that's not even accounting for the people. Then what about the people who are in a relationship? And now this becomes a benchmark for how much you can prove that you love that person. Oh, no, we're not like that. We don't want to play that game. Well, you know, are you going to buy the second cheapest champagne? Are you going to buy the second cheapest flower arrangement? No, you probably kind of need to feel like now that person's expecting you to get something for them. And so now, you know, the only way to win is not to play. Like now you're involved in this thing. And it's this kind of like emotional potlatch where you've got to show the entire tribe how willing you are to like just waste your money and emotions on these things. So, but back to the the, the good cop part. I feel like um, I, I, I and maybe this comes out of having a kid. Or maybe it comes out of having a kid that's a daughter. But I am thinking a lot these days about unnecessary opportunities for competition where nobody wins in in America in particular. And I kind of feel like Valentine's Day is that, you know? It's like, oh, he proposed. Oh, okay, well, it's a good thing. Good thing it was February, you know? But, like, I've been all of these people. I've been somebody who's in a release. For, for me, like, February was always, I used to call it flux month. It was always a month of flux, especially when I was in college. I remember, oh, so many things would happen in February. You come back from break, and, like, there's people breaking up. There's people getting together. Long-time things are ending. New things are starting. It just felt like flux, flux, flux. And... um uh, I don't know. I just, I don't like, I remember keenly the feeling of being the person, you know, who wasn't invited to the dance or the, you know, chosen last one choosing size for basketball or whatever <laughs> to Janice Ian this. And I hate to see that visited upon people. And you, if you are feeling alone or lonesome or lonely or some flavor therein, you don't have the emotional distance to go, this is bullshit. You know, and that I, th- I feel bad for those people. I feel I'm not trying to be like a, a social uh, emotional justice warrior here, but like I feel bad for those people. They shouldn't have to feel bad because it's February 14th. That's so gross. It's just like we don't need any more competition, unnecessary competition that leaves somebody losing. It's just well, I don't like it. That's uh, all. I feel like if you if you start to frame Valentine's Day as a, an opportunity for competition, like not that that's not the holiday's fault because it obviously is the inciting incident. Like that, that you know, it's it's the nucleation site or whatever you want to say for this thing. But in the same way, especially with with couples, in the same way that uh, a road trip or moving in together or <laughs> trying to Vaca- pick out furniture, yeah. like so many of these activities that shouldn't be an op- in a healthy situation shouldn't be an opportunity for you to compare yourself to others or a competition or a situation in which you feel pressure to perform to prove the worth of the relationship or whatever like all those things can happen in a series of mundane activities that people who have any kind of long-term relationships eventually experience a lot of those are a necessary part of the relationship an inevitable part of the relationship and an important part of figuring out whether this thing is really going to work because the young couples in love are not getting any value out of valentine's day right they're just like Mm -hmm. oh isn't this fun we were happy they would be perfectly happy either way they're not learning 
whether they should actually be together. Um, which maybe they'll learn in their fifth year when Valentine's Day comes along and they feel like they have to top the previous four years and realize what they're doing is crazy. And if the other person is super angry because they didn't top them and, and one person in the relationship feels like that they shouldn't have to top them, then that's a, that's a deeper disagreement about the fundamental nature of the relationship that needs to come to the fore. Um, so, I, you know, and if it wasn't Valentine's Day, like I said, it would be it would be Ikea, right? It's it always has to be something that that's the really like vac- vacations are another one especially if it's yeah, a vacation yeah. where you go and visit um one or another's family for the first time <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah i i've actually because i happen to really love my wife's family that's it's been easier for me but that that is if you say okay so you take a word like when you're younger vacation sounds like such a fun easy word all you ever wanted now now my daughter started doing this thing where she dresses up like me and impersonates me <laughs> and looks just like you because she's got a little man face Oh my God! You gotta st- did I send you that one? So she dresses up like me and she pretends these, she's me, and then she needles me. So she comes in, she's wearing my clothes, she's wearing my dad hat, and she goes, "We need more sunscreen. We need more sunscreen. Everything's too expensive." <laughs> and then it. she lays, then she lays on the ground holding her hand mirror and acting like she's flipping an iPad and saying, "Oh look, Adam Scott is on the good place." And my wife and I burst into life because <laughs> it's exactly the kind of dumb thing I say. But no, literally, my daughter said, oh, look, flicking the mirror. She has her own iPad. Why is she using a mirror? She's holding the mirror and making me look stupid with my hat on. She's flicking with the thumb. She goes, oh, look, Adam Scott was on The Good Place. I, I can't wait for for like some of her friends to to give her entree into your secret past that, you, that she doesn't know and you don't want her to know and her to come home and start talking into her wallet. Like That's what I want oh, to happen. Oh, my God. There's so much to say. What was my point in all of this? Uh, we were talking about uh, relationship tests. Relationship tests. Yeah, and so uh, meeting meeting your wife's family. Uh, yeah, and you say like, "Oh, vacation. This will be fun." Oh, but I remember why. Because now now the bit is Disney World is so expensive. Why is everything here so expensive? That, that's her <laughs> making fun of me. There's that, and then of course the F word from Christmas Day when she was two that she still remembers. Really sweet. All the time and the expense that I put into these memories. But um, but you say, oh, you're a kid, you know, oh, kids, kids love vacation, vacation's fun. But the idea of like, you go, oh, we're going to take a road trip, and we're going to go visit with your family. Boy, you talk about a crucible. Uh, or holidays, like I went, I've known my now wife, my then girlfriend for uh, one calendar week when I went to Christmas at my in-law's house with her. And boy, it's a good thing I really liked them because it was pretty bananas, man. I wish someone had recorded that performance. Because you must have been, yeah. <laughs> you must have been either either uh, like a timid animal in a cage, or like turned on, like you were uh, had a th- ten thousand volts going through you. I can't decide which one of those I two. Did a lot of smiling and nodding like this, yeah. But it was fun. I mean, I, I like them. I mean, I I feel so fortunate that I, not not in that that BS way, but I feel really glad I got to meet her dad before he passed away. She's got six brothers and sisters that are fantastic. And like just going and hanging out with them is like, it's going to Rhode Island and hanging out with them is such a riot. They are so Rhode Island. Like it's way, way loud, way over the top. But uh, what was my point in all of this? It's, it is, um, it is an, it's interesting what will end up testing you. And there are things in your life that are going to test you. There's going to be hard times. And when you're in you know, a relationship and you're looking out for people, you both got skin in the game. Maybe you got beefs with each other. And I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to poo-poo the idea of an occasion like this, except that it has a s- 
slightly Shirley Jackson quality to it. It's got a little bit of a lottery feeling to it. We're like, it feels like somebody has to lose in order for Valentine's yeah, well, Day to be it, good. I, I, think, I think the creep factor is the fact that it's collective. Like, when you decide to go to Ikea or take the road trip or visit your in-laws, that is, that is a micro-level thing. It's happening just between you two and your particular life. The entire rest of the country is not also deciding this is the day we all go to Ikea. We would hate the everyone go to Ikea or everyone shop for a couch day. We would hate that way more if everyone else was doing it. Because then you feel like this is not a thing that we decided to do. Instead, there's the additional social pressure that right. regular people all do this. So now we are forced to do a situation that will bring to fore all of our dysfunctions and insecurities. That's a, uh, that's a, that's a good way to put it. And it's, it's, I was trying to think of a name for this, and I couldn't think of anything I was willing to say to you that I don't think you'd make fun of me about. But I, in my head, I kind of want to differentiate between the, like, the Something's Day holidays and the Our Special Things Days. Like, to me, like, it's, oh, it's thus and such day. It's time to go, like, nominally celebrate this thing. And, you know, uh, with all, all that that implies. And that could be Christmas. That could even be Halloween, which is becoming an increasingly high-pressure holiday. Whereas I think a birthday, I still feel like I'm not a big birthday person. I don't even want people to acknowledge mine. But a birthday can still be a nice thing. A birthday can still be a special day. And because, like, to me, I feel about birthdays, I think, the way you were describing valentine's day potentially being good it isn't necessarily a treat yourself day but it is something where you could like you know remember this and do something nice for somebody just acknowledge it but like it's just it feels like we don't go more i'm like holden caulfield again it feels like we just don't go a few weeks without something that makes you feel bad about yourself as a national holiday yeah well i mean that's that's where that that sentence is where i'm always hooking to something that makes you feel bad about yourself like that 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 the actor that that it's so, it's so clear that everything is coming from you from you know that that is you're bringing to it whatever all these things all the all the resentment you have all the pressure on yourself for competition all that other stuff like that's coming from you not coming from the holiday the holiday is inert the only thing that's coming from everyone else for, from the outside is the fact that a bunch of other people are doing a thing but even that I feel like is an occasion to flex the muscles that you will need when everyone else is doing one thing and you can't or don't want to participate in that like all these all these things the fact that uh, you are not in a relationship and everyone else is and they want and they expect you to be like that is an opportunity things like that will come up in your life and maybe it's bad to be forced one day a year to confront this type of thing but mm-hmm. like all all this stuff is going to come up eventually and the idea that if we could eliminate these things that there would be solutions to the problem it, like it would just it would just shift it to a different day there is no world unless everyone else is totally gone where you could not where, where these things could, could not would not have to come up like and i mo- like i said i mostly agree with the whole idea of like it like the social obligation feeling like unnecessary pressure it's like couldn't i couldn't i get to this in my own time why does it have to be now um and it is more difficult to see lots of other people enjoying a thing that you can't enjoy for whatever reason that is more difficult than just dealing with it on your own but um i have a hard time getting worked up about the holiday itself well i mean i think the the contrast here is is not as huge as it probably seems. It's just I, you know we're we're arguing to argue, but like uh, I don't know. It's the unnecessary suffering part. Well, tell me, um, tell me. So, hmm. You don't feel like there's just a whole lot of pressure to like go be in a hot romance. 
Well, you don't, I mean, I mean, you, you make this sound again, like something again, that I'm, the, I'm creating from whole cloth. Like, no, but again, you know. again, with the phrasing, like the holiday makes you that there is like there's never an actor in these sentences. It's always it's always ambient. It's always it's always environmental. It's always man versus nature. Like, but mm-hmm. but really, well, I am in some sense trying to check my privilege because I'm in a relationship with somebody that I like, but I am beyond sympathetic for people who aren't or who don't care who, or who feel pressured by the world to be like, oh, great, I'm 28 years old and I'm not married yet, or I don't have a... Yeah, no, for a- sure, that, that's all there. But, uh, uh, you know, like, I, I feel like a lot of that is is sort of buried and comes, like, it's always there, uh, and this brings it to the surface. But okay. ke- keeping it buried doesn't help. Like, they just move the headstones. It's not, it's not, it's not going to end well. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if it's beneficial to for it to surface so you can deal with it and acknowledge that it exists or that's worse and that it's better it's better to to bury it and it will hopefully decompose and eventually you won't have to deal with it anymore like i'm I'm not advocating for sort of a masochism where you're like well if i have any sort of bad feelings and resentments i need the the most worst the worst situation possible to bring it all to the surface so i can deal with them all at once like that's not that's not particularly uh useful either um i don't know like that's I'm just describing where I'm at with this type of holidays, and it probably helps that I am the worst holiday person in the entire universe. So I, I, I I'm. <laughs> How did you arrive at that? I so I'm forced to be okay with not being good at any of these holidays. Like I have many years' experience of being a terrible gift giver and not honoring occasions in the way that's expected of me, and having to navigate the consequences of that. Right? Um, okay. Because if I accepted the surface level expectations you know written into these collective celebrations according to the you know the opinions of everyone in the united states as one giant group mind i would have to accept that i'm a terrible person and i guess my defense mechanism against that is like i'm not a terrible person even though i don't want to celebrate these in the same way as everybody else Mm -hmm. um i'll have to be okay with the fact that other people do a different thing than i do and okay and figure that out part of what you're saying is functional because you're saying you have made a decision to step out of this thing and while you're maybe not suggesting that to other people you are that is kind of what you're saying is it like well i I don't sweat it because i've stepped out of it it's not really much of a decision it's more involuntary (laughs) really (laughs) it's more it's like for example knowing being a good gift giver knowing what kind of gifts to get and when to get them and like that's a skill right and it can be developed and practiced Hmm. right but there is a natural talent portion. I can of it. see you being great at that. No, I'm terrible. I don't know, man. You're you're good at thinking ahead about things. You love to plan and worry and fret. Uh, I could see. I'm good you at forgetting s- gifts for myself. Does that count? No, I don't think that counts. You know what? <laughs> that should count. It, we it should have a day. Where's your Where's your parade? <laughs> yeah, I, planning my own TV purchases. That's where I'm a Viking. But <laughs> planning so out your gameplay. Uh, <laughs> not so much with the gifts for other people. All right. But so okay. And, and and even just scaling expectations, like, uh, you know, we we've both gone a courting, right? Oh, I, 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 I this froggy went a courting, and I I I think about that now as like literally like an old oldie time you know phase in my life. Like I did that, like I had to do a series of things like that to <laughs> to find someone who would marry me, and I, I it's not like I was it was this calculated thing. Like I wanted to do it. You're young and in love, like you know, like that's right. But as you're married for multiple decades, uh, for some people that stays the whole time. But for other people, it, you know, it changes. It, it changes to a different thing where if you were trying to keep do that just so you could say, 
we're just the same as the week we met. Um, if that's why you're doing it, so you can say that, and it's not the naturally the thing that you would do, that's wrong. And so if if both parties feel like it's not appropriate to keep up that level of constant courtship, um, then you have to face the fact that society's ideal is not what you are performing, and you're both okay with that, or at least one or two or you, one or both of you are okay with that. What does that mean? Are you gonna? Are you gonna like? How do you, how do you deal with that? How do you how do you uh, deal with the fact that you can't present yourselves as acting like twenty uh, year old newlyweds for your entire life? How, how do it's you? It's just continue? it's more that more that cognitive dissonance. I was hmm. I was exchanging some emails today with my second best friend from childhood. What a hierarchy. Yep. I mean, it's really easy for me. I had a best friend and a second best friend. Um, he's close. He was up there, but we yeah, we were just talking about uh, getting older and having things happen in your life that you got to deal with. And, you know, I was, what did I say? We're, I was just talking about really, you know, this, this cognitive dissonance. We're, well, essentially we were talking about the pressure one feels to be a certain way. The pressure that one feels as a child to be the best at everything. I said, um, it's like we get formed into these nervous little machines powered by fear of failure and elation for success. And the cognitive dissonance of realizing at length that we're just little machines is to my mind never short of stunning. Where, you know, um, the, 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 the real cognitive dissonance is almost kind of a meta dissonance where it's like, ugh, I hate how much I didn't understand about how things change in life. Ugh, now I'm mad about that. And listen, if, 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 you, are, if you are like the couple, I don't know why, I always think of the couple in uh, Hot Fuzz, the lawyer and the woman, you know, in the Romeo and Juliet play. It's like, if, that, if you're really like that, if you're really like a creepy Robert Evans looking kind of guy who's 60, but like wants to look 30 and you got the hot young girlfriend. Oh, and we're just as in love as we've ever been. Uh, yay. Like, good for you. But like, that's weird. That's weird. <laughs> My favorite moment of this holiday uh, right before she left for work, taking the daughter to school, and my wife just gave me a little kiss, and she said, nice job today. And meaning, like, it was really nice that you, you know, it made me, I mean, this sounds corny, but it that made me so happy. It wasn't like she said, oh, I want you to slip me the mean bone. She said, good job today. And like, wow, nothing could have made me happier than for her to feel like it was a good day. A you good should day. try that next year. Instead of getting a bunch of gifts, just when she leaves, kiss her and say, good job today. See how that goes over. <laughs> slip her the mean bone. So that's that's off the table in, in, in both these scenarios that's off the table sorry <laughs> you're such a horn dog we're just as in love as we were the day we met and started i mean pretending. that can totally be true but i think it feel like for for most people i feel like it manifests in different ways oh as, and then but there's the performance there's just the performance of this you know like it, it, if it if it if it feels like or seems like a performance to, from the, either the outside or the inside it probably is when like i i feel like when we were both according it's not a performance it wasn't it was like what <laughs> right. we what tr- it was truly and deeply felt and hopefully was not undertaken with any cynicism on either end and like you know but that the you know things change but you know what's nice about the courting? I mean, say, I mean, like I hate to even think about this. As I replay these tapes of when I was younger, I've I've had to realize so many things that were different about myself. I was not a very good person, and I mean, I don't think I was like dead evil, but like I I was not very nice, and I treated a lot of people, especially women, uh, not very nicely. And I I really realize that now. And I was I was kind of like one of those guys on the internet in a lot of ways, and I feel terrible about it. 
one nice thing about the courting process, though, is you don't know it's in the bag. You don't know if you're going to get married to that person. You still have to... I'm deliberately avoiding the whole like demonstrate value thing, but more like, you know what? I need to get my act together. I need to get it together and I need to be presentable with this person on a variety of levels. <laughs> and I need to start taking myself seriously in a way that this other person can take me seriously. And, you know, you can front, right? And you can put up a big show and, you know, pull freaking bouquets out of your sleeve every night. But like, really, you are in a stage where you actively feel it's almost like you're trying out for a play or something where you feel like you've really got to bring your A game every day. And I think that is a good thing about a young relationship or going to court is is that you really are, there's a strong incentive for you to be a better version of yourself. And that's not always there once you once you know that, you know, they've signed on the line that's dotted. Yeah. It sounds like that's what you did. Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel like you had to become more anything, more, I don't know, I don't want to sound like I'm picking you apart, but like more sociable or more empathetic? Well, certainly, or more... certainly I would say this. I think people, me and, and uh, people in general, find themselves doing things that they would not otherwise as readily do be, uh, because you have a very powerful motivation now, right? You're, it is one of the most powerful motivations you can have that will make you overcome things that otherwise... <laughs> sure, I'll go camping. <laughs> exactly. Like, and, and, and sometimes they'll do it like, it's not like, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm gritting my teeth through this tub. You'll do it and you'll like it because the motivation is there. Like, that's why, right. that's why it's hurting. Of course I want to go out dancing with your friends. Why wouldn't I want to go out dancing with your friends? My, my first quote-unquote date with my wife was on a boat. I don't like boats. Like, but it, you know, it, let, me, let me be clear on this. <laughs> did, how much did she know at the time about, about your me not liking boats? Probably nothing, because it's not the type of thing that comes up for you know, like. You know, were, you just, were you just but... freaking out in, in, in anticipation? <laughs> were you just freaking out? I, I don't remember. I, I think I, I mean it was a harbor cruise, so in general, like things are probably going to be okay. Um, <laughs> But it's calculated risk, and it's the type of thing. Would would I've ever done that if there was if this situation was if it was just like oh you just want to do this for like you know hang out with no hell no of course not you yeah if it was just somebody from work and it was like hey we're all going on a booze cruise you want to come like no thank you meeting a bunch of strangers like say your future wife's family after you've been dating for a week do you want to meet anybody's family for the holidays no I don't I don't want to know anything about anyone's life. No, no, you don't, but you will you will undertake that activity and do your best at it because there infatuation is, makes you adventurous. Right. Yeah. And and then yeah, and hopefully like that that that's the type of thing that is sustainable and not just like a thing that you do and expect an end point to it. And like I feel like for especially for people who are I don't know, I haven't been in enough relationships to know, but I feel like there are some people, myself included, that settle into relationships much faster than other people that you're already doing the go grocery shopping together thing oh, yeah. way me. before you thought you were going to. And very quickly it will, it would reveal if, you know, because if you can't go grocery shopping together in the first week of the relationship, it's probably not going to work out. Right. I, that, I was, so I was a serial monogamous. That was, that was totally me. I think about that with my parents and like, it's just, it's so strange to me. I mean, I hate to sound like such a permissive eighties kid, but you know, I never dated, I had, when I was with somebody, I and I didn't have, I hate that phrase, one night stands. That was not really my jam. But I did have a girlfriend a lot. And then I'd have another girlfriend a lot. 
<laughs> and that was a thing. And it, I, I was ready to get super serious up to a point very, very quickly. <laughs> up to a point. <laughs> That's a really good catch. A, scrape that avocado <laughs> off your t-shirt and we have a deal. I'm messing up the line. How come every time I mention anything about having a family, you feign a stroke? Why do you do that? <laughs> did, did anyone, did any girl ever, ever, A, pitch this to you in a non-sarcastic manner, and B, sell it to the point where you believe them? But you'll be such a good dad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Did you get mm-hmm. that? Did you, so you got that earnestly mm-hmm. pitched, and yeah. did, you, did, yeah. you did you did you buy it? Did you buy that they believe that? Well, yeah, it's kind of the same feeling. Though. It's like I, I would also make a great kamikaze, probably. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things I could <laughs> be great, great at. You sandbag or some form of ballast. <laughs> if, the, if the rear wheels yeah. of your pickup are slipping, I'd put you right in the bed. <laughs> Merlin will do. <laughs> no, I, uh, no, it's, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't like to talk too much about this. I've talked enough about this and cried at talks. But no, I mean, um, I have gotten... I hate to put it, I'm making this about me and I shouldn't. I have been um, willfully, sadly, cruelly blind to the needs of other people in a way that I thought I could just kind of put it off for a while. And it would eventually, what, eh, go away or something. Like, yeah, yeah, manana, manana. <laughs> eventually you would find yourself old and alone, problem solved. <laughs> honey, honey. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I've been I've uh, I've been bad about that. Um, yeah, ha, ha, hmm, hmm. I don't this think I ever a, got I don't think I ever got that pitch. Really? Ever. Yeah. Aw, I've seen you with your kids. People would be surprised. I mean, I don't want to say anything personal, but like you're a very eh, whatever. Like, but this whole thing, like it, as <laughs> wait, it's as a, a as a means to. Uh, uh, as a pitch, as a like, you know, you just mentioned like a series up to a point, like in relationships where like one person wants it to move forward in a way the other person is not ready for or whatever. It, well, one forward of, and we're like, I wouldn't say forward. I mean, not, not to mince words, but like to in a direction like, hey, you know what? We've mostly been right. on the same path for a while, but there's this like 43 degree shift we need to be doing like really within the next six months. Yeah. And this is one of, one of the one of the many benefits of the uh, uh uh, institutions associated with the church when you separate it from like the you know inherent barbarism um <laughs> uh, uh pre-cana <laughs> did you do that uh no but i had friends who did it and they said it was horrifying and wonderful did you do pre-cana uh yeah i think we did oh um, my god that sounds so harrowing my parent my parents used to run it out of our house as a kid so i oh my was god. thoroughly familiar with it the guitar player the other guitar player in bacon ray his family was uh her i'm sorry her family were very observant like big wheel Catholics, and they had to do the the whole nine. And he said it was. He said it was. He's really glad they did it. I mean, once they had done it, but like, ooh, it's like estate planning or something. Like, ooh, yeah, geez. It's, it's a little bit late at that point, anyway. But all of this is to say that, like, <laughs> are you sure you really feel the same way about homeownership? Because, because by that point, <laughs> there talk about societal pressure. There is so much pressure to continue to you know to to see the thing through. But it's really like you need to have this conversation earlier than that of like look if you're in a relationship with somebody and it is progressing and one party brings up the idea of what your future might look like and the other yeah. one does not agree like oh i can't wait until we're all living on a desert island uh with our 17 dogs and that's not how you picture your future life i just assumed we'd live on a ranch with adopted children like what how did right. you get that, like, you that need, that's you need to talk about that 
way before anyone is 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 buying rings. Way, yeah. way, way before, and 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 avoiding it. Like the thing you were saying, like oh, I'll just I'll just ignore that, and it will just either go away or take care of itself. Like precana is like the last possible minute. It's like. Right. You're about to, you know, open the door to the airplane and jump out, hopefully with your parachute attached. Please, now we are going to force you in a regimented atmosphere to say, do you want to have kids? I want to have 27. You want to have zero? Hmm. Maybe we right. should discuss this at some point before the wedding is a month away, but I'm glad we're talking about it now before legal papers have to be signed, right? right. And, you know, so that's... That's another thing that, again, you know... It's- but also, that just I mean, like, something as quotidian, or seemingly quotidian as the finances kind of stuff like oh, i'm thinking yeah. about like a, almost like a prisoner's dilemma you mm-hmm. put people into two separate rooms and you say like okay force rank i don't know exactly how it works but i'm imagining you could have some very interesting conversations by saying force rank these six items uh you know which one of these is important above all others and which two would you have no problem crossing off right now right and like she might not say playstation yep or car yeah or a million yeah, yeah. yeah. those are the kind of, pre can exercises are pretty rodent like they're making you they're, huh. they're forcing couples to talk about things that you would think every couple should have talked about, but you, if, if you have sat in your bedroom trying to go to sleep at night when your parents are, are noisily having a pre-cana meeting uh, 20 feet away from you in, in the <laughs> living room hundreds of times, you hear how incredibly ill-prepared the vast majority of couples are for any oh, of this yeah. stuff. They're like... We never talked about it, whether we're going to have one shared bank account or have separate money. And we have totally differing opinions. And let's talk about this now. And like, It's like discovering this other person who has different opinions. You're just like, what have you even been doing? Did you meet yesterday? But that's the reality of how relationships work a lot of the time. Is that they, you know, These things don't come up and people don't want to bring them up. And they assume they will take care of themselves. And they assume there's a, a shared... Even something as simple as, do I expect to have a trail of rose petals leading me into the house every Valentine's Day? Or... Is that not a thing that I would ever want, or do I only want that, uh, you know, when recording, but don't want that when I have seven screaming kids running around? Like, right? But even then, it's and not to say this isn't a good idea. I, I always thought it was so strange when I meet people like my uh, like another a really good friend in high school. Um, his grandparents were like a real like they were like pillars of the community. They were by uh, <laughs> by Pasco County standards, very wealthy people. Uh, and they they like they slept on different floors of the house. Like when they pulled up in a car, they were in different levels of the house. There was a, there there were really two houses in this house. There was the upstairs where he had almost like an efficiency, and they were nominally in love. They'd been married for fifty years, but like she he would he was pretty deaf and real old and had trouble moving, and he would play his TV real loud. And then she out downstairs she would be turning hers up. And if you just walked into the house while this was going on, you, you would just be like, this is this is like. This is like we're trying to get, you know, Noriega out of the building or something like that. But, you know, I guess in their way, they made it work. I don't think they ever had a conversation about TVs back then. But How, also how the, do you think they handled Valentine's Day? Uh, how they how did it work in people. that household? I bet do they think, had people. Do you think, do you think, they, were, do you think they spend a lot of time fretting about how they are not in compliance with societal expectations of Valentine's Day gift giving? No, I don't. Do you I think don't. they knew it was Valentine's Day at all? Mm, I bet they knew what day of the week it was. Do they know it's Christmas time? Yeah, feed the world. Uh, but then the other thing is, and I don't know, I don't mean to pivot here, but uh, the other thing is, um, one trouble I think with being younger, and I, I, I'm really not trying to sound wise here, but I, I just, uh, you're very, you might be very attracted to 
another person. You might be very, there's that word I used again, you might be very infatuated with this person and you might even be telling yourself and them that you love them and you tell them that over and over. What's complicated though is when you, when one, when I was younger, I wasn't always great at sussing out the part of them that I really loved. And it might be the part that wanted to make out with me. That was a big part of what I liked <laughs> in that other person. No, no two ways about it. Um, but it's how do you even describe this? This is another one of those. It's like explaining the kids thing, the kid thing to somebody where you're like, well, you know, the problem is though, as you get older, you realize the extent to which you like core essential parts of this person um, that, w- well, how can I put this? That you like the core person in a way that when almost everything else about them changes, including their physical appearance, including their moods, including their like whatever, like that's all going to change. If you thought that getting involved and then later married with that person was some way to freeze them in amber, you're going to have a really difficult time. And that's what's difficult to know. And just partly just because I'm sorry, I'm being mean. because you are young, you have not yet had enough experience with, with how the people around you will change that. I think that can be really, I think that's one of the first big stumbling blocks for a lot of people is when people do start to change, you start to think the person like, well, I sure hope that changes back to the way it used to be. I wish you'd go back <laughs> to not talking about having a kid. That would be really convenient for me. Or, yeah, that, or that whatever. Was a, a fun, a great pre-cane exercise would be at some point they would, you, you would fill out little things about what you, what you value or, or like in the, what you see in the other person, essentially qualities that you admire or stuff like that. And, that was always an occasion for, like, for example, the men to massively highly rank physical attributes of of the the women that they are engaged to marry, and the women <laughs> to be taken aback by exactly uh, how important that is because the women know, uh, you know, guess what? People age. Right. And, oh yeah, and then and then to be followed up with the fifteen minutes of the man uh, the mansplaining about what a compliment that is to you. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, like you know, both of, both of them are well mean, but like, but like to see it to see it put made concrete, like yeah. to, to see it again with the force ranking of like you know uh, you know rent versus food versus car versus PlayStation. Like to actually write it down and to look at it makes there's no denying it. You can't you can't like sort of just assume what's in the other person's head. It makes you confront these things, and you know. Th- that might be fine if everyone's all on the same page with that and they'll just learn that it changes together. But if, if right off the bat, there's, you know, like I, th- my experience of this relationship is different than yours already. Like, I, that's not how I'm. How do you mean? I thought we're connecting as people and we are going to be companions for life. And uh, I have no expectation that I will continue to be 20 years old forever. But now I look down your list and the top three items are things that are going to be gone in 10 years and then what will be left right whereas everything on my list i feel like is sustainable and will be there forever so you know what does that mean like they're just you know you 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 play it forward it's as if uh you had put some attribute on there that you know is going to weigh like like the the top three things were items of clothing it's like but the clothing (laughs) will get worn out and will have to be thrown away and then what or 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 a beloved piece of leftover chicken it's like (laughs) Like, it's got so a clock. These are per- perishable a- goods, and that's like the top three items on your list. Like, why? Why are you even with me? Don't you understand those things won't be there? Right. Yeah. Yeah, and like you, uh, one can be so utterly swept away in the moment to moment that, like, you know, you it's it's you know, I, 
Hmm. It's not so different than my joke about tattoos and shirts. But you say to somebody, hey, you think you want to be with that person forever? And they go, yeah, man, I totally want to be with them forever. You go, you think you want to be with that person for nine and a half years? They go, oh, that seems like a pretty long time. Because <laughs> they don't even know what forever smells like, let alone nine plus years. You know what I'm saying? It's like when you make something very specific like that, it can be, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's one of the advantages of the uh, our modern age of, you know, uh, couples living together for a long time before they're married. Yes. I, I didn't want to bring it up, but I totally, I I don't know how you have it any other way. You've never figured out, like, not just to go to the easy stuff like the toothbrush, but you've never figured out stuff like, hey, do you have a real strong opinion about, like, not putting chicken in a Ziploc bag in the refrigerator and leaving <laughs> it there for a week? Like, oh, my God, it would be so great to discover that before you put down a deposit on the hall. Or does one person need you not to speak to them for seven hours a day and you didn't realize that when you were only seeing them for two hours a day at night on your dates? Like, and you, and right. you, you, you these things you discover when you, so kids, I always encourage you to live with someone before you marry them, please. Did you, did you, uh, cohabitate? Yeah. Uh, not, not officially, but, uh, in, uh, you know, in college we were, in dorm rooms and stuff. And I think for the the last two years, I slept on the floor of her dorm room or her on the floor of mine. So even though we technically had two dorm rooms, we didn't use two dorm rooms. Oh my God. You're in college. Yeah, it's college. And you're on on the sleep on the floor. Well, yeah, I had, I had a mat. I was like a dog mat. (laughs) (laughs) I love you so much. Imagine being, imagine being young. You can sleep. I think, I, I think like I spent, I spent how long sleeping on a foam mat on the ground, and I and like I didn't wake up and like not be able to you know stand up straight. I met my wife in a bar, uh, introduced by a friend. We went back to her place, and she moved in three weeks later. One week after that meeting in the bar, of course, I was at Christmas with her family. Yeah, you're on the accelerated schedule. This is a this is a funny thing, and I I, I want to say I don't want to say anything too specific here, but there is a funny thing where like you get worked on by other people, you work on other people. Uh, it's difficult to know how you end up. You know, again, it's Peter Schaefer. Moments snap together like magnets. You know, it's it does suck that sometimes other people do a lot of the helping and a lot of people in your life do a lot of the helping and the hurting to get you somewhere that you need need to be and you don't even know that you need to be there until it happens and then you go like oh well i guess this is the thing that i'm doing now and everybody looks like why couldn't you get your act together before like why why couldn't you lose weight and become presentable and get a job before it's like well you know it just didn't i don't know this time it really seems to work and then like you leave this you may leave this trail of bodies around you but that's i think that is i don't know if that's it's not a pre kind of approach but uh I don't know. I don't know. Wow. So you slept on the floor in your dog bed. Yeah. Hmm. I think we might still have it. I don't know. Those things wear out. <laughs> Son, sit down. <laughs> I want you to have my dog roll. <laughs> we had a thicker one that I think one of my kids peed on and we had to throw away because that happens. Oh, right? precious, precious memories. Yeah. I never peed on mine, though. 